As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this is uh, your acceptable duty in the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children or they may lose heart. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, not only while being watched and in order to please them, but wholeheartedly fearing the Lord. Whatever your task, put yourselves into it. As done for the Lord, that is done for the Lord and not your masters. Since you know that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you serve the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong has been done, and there is no partiality. Uh, for some passages, there's only one way to do them, and that is to go straight through them. This is a uh, passage uh, for this week is an interesting history in the lectionary because you can track uh, I don't know, the measure of our social consciousness or conscience by what elements of it get included. I've included the whole thing, uh, but typically is the, over, the way the lectionary has done it historically is first it dropped off the part about slaves obeying masters and, uh, and, and a lot of mainline Protestant churches today, the part about wives submitting to the husbands also drops off. And I get why. It's not a... Uh, it's not an envious position to look folks in the eye and say, hey, uh, you should obey your man or you should obey your master. It, it, it's something that in some way seems like it's from another time, tone deaf and, I don't know, drunk on its own white male privilege, etc. But there is something else going on here, and this is one of those places that if you think, hey, we can just take whatever was uh, going on in that passage and read it without relevance to its context... Well, I don't know what to say besides good luck with that. If you see what's going on here and the point that Paul is making about how we ought to think about our own identities, there's this beautiful point which is different and richer and more edifying than a lot of the ways that folks typically use or employ this passage. So we're going we're gonna to go right through it. You'll recall at the end of last week that Paul ended with a riff. And the riff said something like, you have taken off your old self and its practices. You've put on a new self, which is being renewed in the image of its creator. And then he says, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. So one of the things that, the, uh, as we read the Bible in contemporary times especially, is that we tend to take the little subtitles that, are put in our Bibles as if those were scriptural, as opposed to things that people just use to break up the individual elements of the text to make it more digestible for us. And one of the things that we don't see is that those breaks have very specific rhetorical purposes. So most of you are likely reading a Bible where it seems like Paul has finished one argument about knowing who Christ is, and then there's a break that's like, here's a bunch of rules for the household. 
And everybody got something similar like that. There's a subhead that says rules for the household. Now that idea that the rules from the household are separate from the things that came before, it may not be true. That's an interpretive question. We have to think about how Paul relates those two things. I happen to think it's important to connect those two things to figure out what's going on. So one of the things that we've been talking about for you know weeks now is this idea that we're essentially talking about personalities. And there are different kinds of personalities that put us at different kinds of, I don't know, relationships to God and God's kingdom. So I'm sure you're getting tired of hearing about the Roman personality, which is like controlling everything, the Dionysian one, which is avoiding things, the Gnostic one, which is about searching for that one thing that's out there that's going to make life perfect. And it's like kind of a modern way of talking about it to call these things personalities, to say that these are about how you kind of put yourself together, how you order yourself, what your persona is, etc., But here's the thing, personality, the way we talk about personality in the modern world, the Greeks had this term that they used for it that in some ways is more useful and is is really interesting. And it's, it's, it's all bound up in this passage. So our word for person comes from this Greek word prosopa. This Greek word is prosopa. And it's a super important word. It's related to the word for like, being a human, so you can hear the echoes of it in the Greek word for man, anthropon. But if you understand this idea of prosopa, and you want to see what's so weird about it, listen closely to how Paul is talking about the old and the new nature. Did this strike anybody? He says, you have taken off the old nature and put on the new nature. What, what does it remind you of? It's, it, it's almost like he's talking about, I don't know, clothing. That the old nature was something that we had on and we just kind of strip it off and the new nature is something that we put on. And the weirdest part as you dig into it is the Greek words here, apedukomai and indusomenoi, are words for taking off and putting on clothes. So it's like taking off and putting on the breastplate, taking on and putting off uh, the the, the garment that you used all over. Well, this Greek idea of prosopa, a person being something that you kind kind of put on or take off, it doesn't really kind of connect very well for us until we think about how they would have thought about persona or personality. So let's say you're watching a sweet Greek play, and you're watching the interaction between the chorus and the actors on stage, and they don't obviously have the sweet CGI that we had to really gussy up special effects. And so if you wanted to watch a Greek drama, and you wanted to figure out the difference between different characters, the thing that you do is the Greek person would put on a mask and they would perform the drama in that mask. So what differentiated characters in stage on a Greek drama was what mask they were wearing. And the word for a mask is prosopa, personality. The Greeks thought about your personality, your personhood, as something that was like a mask that you would put on or take off. And what they're thinking about there is, is drama. They're thinking about the idea that We have different elements of who we are, of our identity that we can kind of put on and take off like masks. In fact, that's why the icon for drama class, if you were one of those kids that lettered in drama in high school, is the two masks, the tragedy mask and the comedy mask, because the way the Greeks thought about it, your personality, your persona, your prosopa, was about the different kind of masks you might put on in different settings. Now, the thing that Paul's saying that starts to make all this tie together is he says, your old person is one kind of mask. The old person that's tied up with all the stuff that we talked about, like greed and avarice and 
all that stuff, was one mask. And what the Christian needs to do is to take off that old mask and put on a new mask, put on a new personality, put on a new persona. And, you know, it's really, it's hard for us to connect with this idea, but it is a pretty powerful way of talking about personality in some ways. I remember when Calla was little, I think I've told a number of you this story. She, we, we, this is how we knew that Calla sometimes had really creepy insights about things. Calla and Beth were driving somewhere and uh, Beth was in the front of the car and Calla was in her seat in the back and she said, Mommy, you know how we wear masks at Halloween? And Beth was like, yeah, you know, and you're expecting some little kid question. And then Cal says, do you ever think we're all just wearing masks like that all the time? <laughs> but <laughs> but that, that's the, that was kind of the Greek idea. The Greek idea was that your personality and even the things that you'd say, like your identity, were kind of like a different mask that you'd put on in a different setting. And Paul is borrowing that idea to say, as much as we might think about you know, modern academic folks would call it performativity. But what, what the question is here is that for each one of us, there are things that we have to ask, what is the mask and what is us? And there's this range of things that's somewhere between nature and nurture that is really about the question of what are the things that make up our personality because we do them repeatedly or because we've been habituated to do them? And what are the things that come from deep inside of who we are? And what the Greeks thought is they thought that your personality and what Paul, the world Paul is writing into would have thought is that your personality was kind of like putting off the old self that was dedicated to the bad stuff. It was the old mask and putting on the new mask, slipping into a new nature in Christ. That's why Paul says putting on and taking off. It's they thought about personalities like masks, prosopa. So here's the thing. If you don't understand this idea that personality is like a mask that you wear. It makes no sense for Paul to jump into, you know, this idea that, hey, there are no differences between people that he ends the passage with. But think about it. He says, take off the old person and put on the new person. And what is the implication of that? What is the therefore to that? He says, therefore, what? There is no Gentile no or Jew circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. That's a radically transformative, powerful, it should be an earth-shaking idea that Paul is saying, if you understand how we think about the old person and the new person, we take off the old and sinful person, we put on the new person which is in Christ. And if you understand the human being to be able to do that with the help of Jesus Christ, it essentially for Paul erases all the relevant differences between people that are about differences in power or hierarchy or status or station. He hasn't just randomly chosen a bunch of different social distinctions. He's picking out the biggest ones that he thinks no longer exist. Gentile or Jew was like the thing. You know, are you God's people or not God's people? Barbarian and Scythian uh, versus uh, someone who was uh, uh, civilized were huge. The barbarians were the bad ones in the, uh, in the West and uh, the Scythians were the bad ones in the East. And they were both kind of characterized by being illiterate and speaking a strange language and being violent. <laughs> Paul is saying that all these distinctions, holiness, civilization, chosen, unchosen, literate, illiterate, free, slave, all of those things are 
the result of masks that we put on that are rooted in the old person. And the goal of Christian life is to take off that mask and put on a new one, which is about taking on a new identity in Christ. It should really have kind of shaken up the world in a powerful way. All the different ways that people organized relationships with the folks around them. Uh, Were you a free person? Were you a slave? Were you a Jew? Were you a Gentile? Were you a barbarian? Were you a Greek speaker? Paul is saying that those things are like masks that we wear that are tied to the old person and that the goal of the Christian should be to take off that mask and put on a new mask, which is in Jesus Christ. And guess what? In case the references to putting on and taking off were not a blunt enough demonstration of this principle, look at what he says in 12 and 13. As God's chosen ones, which is the new category that you belong to, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, and therefore bear with one another. If anyone has a complaint against one another, forgive each other just as the Lord has forgiven you. Paul is saying that in the context of Christ's church, that we take off the markers of our old nature and we put on the markers of a new nature, of a new way of being, which erases all those old distinctions. And then he says, this is the absolutely most gorgeous part of this passage. Well, second most, the first most, that comes later. Uh, Above all, clothe yourselves with love, he says in 14, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. He's using another clothing metaphor there. Clothe yourselves in love. And it's actually a clothing metaphor wrapped in a fabric metaphor because love is the thing that knits or bonds together the whole universe. The word for perfect harmony there, the Greek word is teleoitetos, which means something like, I wish we had an English word for it, it would be a word that would be very useful for a mason. It is the perfect overlapping of all ends such that there is no difference between the purposes that something is aiming to. It's a beautiful word that says the goal of the universe ought to be a vision of agapic love in which every one of us and every one of our intentions and every one of our ends is aimed at the perfect overlapping in Christ. That when we take off the old mask and put on the new mask, we are able to become truly one Christian body. That's what Paul's signaling in 15 through 17. How do we make that happen? We let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, which indeed you were called to in one body, so we should be thankful. Let the word dwell in us richly, practice singing psalms and hymns, and whatever we do, do in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Sermon done, right? That's, that's all the big parts. Yeah, right? Now here's the other thing. Then there's this list, and it appears like what, what to do with this list is difficult for folks on almost every side. So it's this list that appears to reinforce every existing social hierarchy. And there's some people that dig in on it, folks who consider themselves complementarians, for example, a name of a school where they're like, God, God makes men and women different, and men are in a position of authority, and women are in a position of, of submission, and God has different uh, kind of uh, obligations and rights for each one's. And the, the question that I always ask people who forward that vision is, okay, well, if you're going to defend that here on the basis of difference between man and woman, do you think that there's an intrinsic difference between some people on the basis of being slave and free that is natural? Because that's what people thought in the ancient world. They thought that if you were a slave, it was because you had a slave's personality. So what, how, do we, how do we think about these, these uh, rules that are, are, are built into Paul's uh, teaching about 
what our contact, uh, conduct ought to be. How do we think about how this passage thinks about the relationship between husbands, uh, wives, free, slaves, etc.? So, you know, the question is, and the way I like to think about it, uh, what I think is going on here is that Paul is essentially saying, he's made this claim about what it means to be a Christian, and that claim is that your identity is a mask, you should take it off, you should put on a new one, and that new identity is really, 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 really different than the old identity. And in fact, Paul is putting this list here, I believe, because he is worried that if people took this idea completely seriously, that all, all our old identity categories didn't matter, essentially, society would collapse. Because anyone would say, any obligation that I have to anyone else is rooted in my old identity. I don't have any of these obligations anymore. So, for example, uh, because my identity is so radically new in Jesus, I'm no longer simply definable as being a father, and so I don't owe my children anything because I've been given a new identity. Or someone might say, I don't owe my wife anything because I've been given a new identity. And Paul says, no, that is not the case. It is not the case that... Uh, because you're given a new identity in Christ, you get to ignore all the relationships that you were in before. So what is Paul saying here? Paul is talking about kinds of relationships where there is a contract of some kind between man and woman, father and child, and even since this wasn't chattel slavery, between slave and master. And Paul is saying that, yes, your identity is remade in Jesus Christ. Yes, your identity is transformed in Jesus Christ, but you still have an obligation to fulfill whatever duties that you can, because when you fulfill the duties that you are given, you're not simply serving another person, but what? You are serving God. And you are serving God because in acting out these relationships of love towards other people, you are basically doing the work of the gospel. So what's important here is that I don't think Paul is saying, here is the case for how these relationships have to be in the abstract. He's saying that when you think about what it means to have a completely new identity, when you think about what it means to be a Christian, when you think about what it means to put on a radically different vision of yourself, to take off the old mask and put on the new mask of being one person in Christ, we don't get to just forget all the uh, relationships and, 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 and obligations that we had to other people. But here's the thing. What is so interesting to me about how people read this list is that so many people want to go to this list and say, this list is a justification for these institutions in the abstract, instead of saying, what I think Paul is saying here is that Paul is saying that in the context of any social institution, we have obligations to one another. We have to fulfill those obligations. But the important point and the reason why Paul had to say this is what? Because he's convinced that in Jesus Christ, you have a new identity and all those old identity categories don't matter. So I don't get to go to this and say, stop arguing with me, Beth. You have an obligation to obey me. The reason why is because what Christ calls each one of us to do is to take on a new persona that changes who we are, that changes the kind of expectations and obligations that we place on other people. And in that, we become less and less different from one another, less and less ordered over one another, and instead we all become one body together. We all become one body whose ends are perfectly overlapping. We all become people who put on, take off our different old masks and all put on a new similar mask that grafts us in 
to the kingdom of Christ. And that doesn't mean that we get to neglect our old obligations, but what it does mean is that we have an obligation to think differently about our own personalities, about our own masks. The most beautiful part of the entire passage here is this one little Greek word that we're now in a perfect place to translate, prosopolemtes, prosopolemtes. If you go to the very end of the passage that we have for today, so here's, here's what I've done the other one, 23, 24, 25. Whatever our task, put yourselves into it as done for the Lord and not your masters. This is this idea that we're all serving Christ primarily. Since you know that the Lord will receive the inheritance as your reward, you serve the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong has been done. And in my translation in the NRSV says, and there is no partiality. What do you all have for 25? No favoritism. Anybody got anything different? This is also the same word that is translated other places in the New Testament as God is no respecter of persons. It comes from two words. Prosopa, which I've already talked about a ton, mask, personality, and uh, lambano, which means to take, to grab onto, or to hold on to something that was given to us. What this passage is saying when it says there is no partiality or there is no favoritism is that the point of Christian practice is not to defend an institution like slavery. It's not to defend uh, the existence of these hierarchies. Instead, the point is that when you become a Christian and you take off the old mask of your old personality and you put on a new mask of your new personality, you enter a new kingdom, and in that new kingdom, there is not only no partiality, there is not only no favoritism, but we no longer hold on to the prosopa, the mask, or the personality that we were given in advance. That's why it's translated as, God is not a respecter of persons. This beautiful word, prosolampsia is this, that it's a word that says that once we understand that so much of how we identify ourselves and who we are is bound up with this mask, this persona, this personality, that we do not lambano, we do not take hold of it, we do not grab it, we do not choose to hold on to something else because literally the point of this passage and the point of what Paul is saying is that we have been given a new identity in Christ that should so change the relationships that we're in that he needs to tack rules on to the end to say, hey, don't break down everything over this. But what we should hear in it is that Jesus is, or that Jesus is saying through Paul here that the kingdom asks for us here to so radically give up our commitment to our own personality, to who we are, to how we identify ourselves, that we don't hold on to it. And instead we hold on to a new identity and a new nature. And that is the one that is given to us in the person of Christ. We put on a new mask and that new mask ought to transform us. Paul wants that not to cause the world to fall apart for any number of reasons, but let's not hear the caveat as being the primary thing here. The primary thing here that he's asking for is a new vision of who we are that says that when we serve and what we do, everything that we do is for our new master, Christ. Amen. Questions, commentary, talk?